0: everyone. Glad to be here with you, and enjoying this wonderful weather. Isn't it nice? Mm. Somewhat, on some levels, yes. On some levels, no. Hard no. Well, I, I am glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you chose to weather the storms and the and the weather and the temperatures and getting ready to get into these cold, temper frigid 30 below 30. Check your pipes. You know, I feel responsible. Check your pipes and your your faucets and all that stuff. You know, make sure you're all good to go. Uh, you don't want to. You don't have any. Tragic accidents overnight or anything like that. Wake up to water pouring out everywhere and all that stuff. Homeownership, right? It's just yay. They don't the stuff they don't tell you. Buy a home, they say. They got a mortgage, they say. They don't tell you to cover your pipes. So let me tell you, I feel I feel like I feel good now. I told you. Hey, I want to tell you about She Can the conference, women's conference as well. It's, uh, it's going to be a night, yeah, 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 for sure. Get out your phone and hit that QR code that, because tickets are selling and they're sailing. They're going out. It is uh, going to be a, quite a night. Uh, we were talking last night with, with one of the guys. they got a team of, of men putting together part of the meal. And I can just tell you, I don't know if you've seen the shirts that say Spirit-Fed and Brisket, uh, sorry, Spirit-Led and, and Brisket-Fed. Yeah, the women will be able to wear that on November 10th because there's going to be some brisket. See, see, I think I think they're going to do some like some axe throwing and all kinds of stuff too. And just so I just hope my face is not on the target. That's all I'm. I'm going for. But I, I can tell you, uh, I have spent a couple of days in the last couple of weeks listening to the speaker who is going to be coming and speaking that night. And I can sit here with all honesty and integrity and say. She is one of the best speakers, communicators, teachers that I've ever heard. And someone told me that, and I'm like, yeah, right, I'll believe it when I see it. And then I saw it, and I heard it, and then I couldn't even receive all the information she was giving. It was just, wow. So Paige Henderson is coming she is going to be uh, downloading to us the information, the ladies, the, the, uh, the teaching that she has, and you don't want to miss that. You, you do not want to miss. I've never heard teachings like she's taught, and her husband as well. They're an, an anointed husband-wife team, and uh, he won't be here, but she will, and you don't want to miss it. So be there. Husbands, send your wives, you know. Bless them. Bless them. Uh, it's going to be on November 10th, uh, Friday, but you're going to want to go ahead and get your tickets. Uh, so anyway. We are in our series, Disciple, Disciple, Linda, it's, what is it? Here's the thing, in order to be discipled, you've got to have some disciplines, and in order to be a disciple, you have to be willing to be discipled. And nobody likes these words, you know, they, we don't like these words. Uh, don't give me the discipline stuff, uh, I'm not here to be disciple. give me a coach advisor a counselor a mentor you know we're okay with those terms but the reality is we all need to be a disciple and we need to be discipling someone or ones and so we need to also embrace discipline disciplines of the word disciplines that god has given us through christ and conforms us as, as the holy spirit walks us walks alongside us, the parakletos, that's the name of the Holy Spirit in Greek. Para means to come alongside. Kletos is a friend who comes alongside you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us into all truth, which is Christ's truth, not our truth. It's his truth which pr- pr- produces disciplines in our lives. And, and it just takes time to embrace, to adopt, to adopt and then adapt disciplines, spiritual disciplines into our lives. Spiritual principles. It, it takes time. It, typically, on anything for humans, it takes about 18 months of trying to do something consistently. You fail, you get back up, and you try it again. You fail, you get back up, and you try it again. You try a different method every time. Anybody do the same thing over and over? That's called, that's called uh, you know, what is that called? Insanity. So I try different ways of accomplishing the practice or the principle or whatever it is. And so in this term, I'm, I'm going to mess it up. Like, God's trying to teach me another discipline, another principle, another truth, and I'm going to try, but I'm human, I'm flesh, I'm going to mess it up, but I'm going to get myself back up. So, Scriptures, Proverbs 24, 16 says, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Literally speaking, God picks him back up and says, we're not done, son, let's go again. That's really good. Like, that's... That. Amen, that God picks us back up and he gives us better strategy for the next time we're trying. And he does this over and over and over and over because there's many disciplines that he's trying to help us to embrace. And so that's what this is about. I want to talk to you today about the life of a disciple, the life of every disciple. Uh, believe it or not, if when you came to Christ, you became a disciple. Your, your progression is based on you and the sovereignty of God. You get to choose if you want to stay where you're at when you came to Christ, or if you want to progress forward, ultimately, he is making effort to propel you and and pull you forward and walk alongside. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the life of a disciple, I'm going to break it down through one thing. I'm going to give you some stages, but I want to talk today about going this journey through the wall. I'm going to introduce to you this concept of the wall. It's described uh, in different methods, in different ways from different theologians, different uh, saints of old and, and different, different uh, fellow disciples, if you will. And so let me go ahead and give you the stages of spiritual growth. And this actually comes out of the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro, if you ever wanted to look this up and read this. But this was taken, so let me just explain this first part. Stage one is this, you have a life-changing awareness of God. I didn't know Christ, I came to Christ, I come to know Christ. Whether that is a very simple, you heard a simple message and the Holy Spirit woke something up inside of you and you said, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, or there's a time where, man, you have been building your whole kingdom on your own. All your idols were in place and then all of a sudden God, God's wind blew and shut down and destroyed all of your idols and you gave in and said, I can't do this anymore. I, there must be a better way and I come to Christ. Either way, whether, no matter if you're an adult or a child, there's a stage one of having a life-changing awareness of God. I wasn't aware of Him. I'm becoming aware. Salvation, and then stage two is discipleship. Like I start this, I start this process of, oh, I guess I should read the Bible. Um, I guess I should engage in worship a little bit. I guess I should listen to some, you know, not just secular music, maybe some worship music. You know, you start to start to integrate into this kingdom culture. You start to, I guess, I need to be at church. And a lot of times, if we if we're not if we're not careful, we get really religious. We go from being completely lost as a goose to trying to be really religious. I'm just supposed to follow all these rules. And I got to quit dipping as few as I can. Got to quit drinking. Got to quit smoking. I got to quit cussing. I got to quit. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm saved now. It's obvious. But none, no, no transformation of the heart has taken place. And so this discipleship is when I start learning about Christ. I start coming to church. I I may join a small group because I need to be in a relationship in a small group of people who are on the same journey, uh, going, moving towards Christ and doing this life with Christ. Biblically, they would go into the temple and then they go house to house to, to break bread, study the apostles' teaching, worship together, pray together, go back to church, back and forth, back and forth. That's the discipleship stage, stage two. Stage three, active li- active life. Oh, I you know I everybody else is serving. I guess I should start serving. I, I start to find this joy of I'm discovering some gifts. I'm mean, like, man, I'm really good at this. They are not as good at this as I, as I am. I'm kind of talented, and maybe maybe it's this gifting. Maybe I'm maybe I'm really made for this. And so you start to you know kind of a I'm using my, I'm discovering my gifts. I'm starting to develop them a little bit and and kind of deploying them. But I'm just trying to figure this thing out. And I'm kind of wondering, why are they grumbling whenever they're coming in? I kind of enjoy serving. I mean, then I might might give and like, God, you know, I'm going to give because I feel like I have to, I'm supposed to. I think that's what I'm I'm, I'm forced to do. So I'm going to do that because I think that that they talk about it at the end of service. So I guess that's something I'm supposed to do. Like, that's the stage that you're in in this active life. Like, I'm doing the work for God. I'm, I'm trying to do it for God. God, I got you, but something, something yet still doesn't feel complete. It's more of a transaction than it is a relationship. And then we get to this place, based on the ten years of this study of this book being out and this, 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 uh, this development of the work, which was based off of data of the church since its existence. Seven, about seventy to eighty percent never make it past to the wall. They cycle one two three one two three one two. They like their dancing one two three one two. But the wall is where it's two ways. Either there you come to this place called the wall where everything just starts to break loose and and nothing's working out, and everything causes you to begin to wonder: Am I even saved at all? Is there even a God? Does He even care about me? And if so, then why do I have all these problems? The wall. Or, which which the wall begins to produce this inward journey when you're done throwing a fit, when you're done with your ego, when you're done with your arrogance, when you're done with your pride, when you're done with your your bitterness and your resentment and your selfishness and your your unforgiveness. when you, you You know, stuff that none of you guys do, but theoretically, there begins this, maybe God has a different plan than all this stuff that I got going on. And so I start to peek inwardly. Lord, what do you want to do? What, what's, what's, what is it about me? What is it in me that needs to change? Oh, I'm glad you asked, he says. But the wall is when that moment, the wall is where, where God begins to pull you literally into this place, and he puts your nose right up on this wall, and, and it says it's going to be hardship, and it's going to be very, a little bit difficult, and you may not like it at first, but through the wall on the other side, you're going to thank me, and you're going to be ever so blessed. You know know that the Bible says, man, I just want my people to be happy. It does say that. It says, it does not say that. It does not say, it does not say, I just want my people to be happy. No. But it does talk about a word named happiness, which is actually blessed, and it's the word markarios in the Greek or Aramaic. It actually says, blessed is he who. Meaning this blessed, is it creates an internal happiness, this deep-rooted happiness, this soul-depth and enriched happiness that the world can't understand, and in fact, most of the church can't understand it. It's a happiness that's developed through the wall that says, when all hell's breaking loose, and when my finances are crap, and my marriage is in strambles, for some reason I feel really good, I have his peace and blessedness, because God's about to work some stuff out. He's called you to that. That's what he says he wants for all of his people amen hallelujah listen to the praise clap yeah nobody's running around the you know the church for that are they but if you've experienced it you understand and so the wall begins this inward journey or vice versa then stage five is this outward journey now it's because of the things that God has purified me from. It's the things that he's worked out of me. It's the things that no longer, I don't see life the way I see it, at least not on the level. I'm actually begun to experience this glory-to-glory-like experience, meaning the former glory, the old things, I can't take into the new glory. I can't, I can't hold on to the old stuff that was really working really well whenever I was in the last season of life. I've got to let go of some stuff. God was okay with me Carrying on some things in this season because it was, it was getting me into a place of intimacy with him. But through the wall that he's trying to take me through and purge me from, I've got to let go of some things that I felt, well, I really like that. People look at me when I do these things. He's saying, well, you lay it down because I've got more. You just won't know what the more is until you start laying that down. And you allow me to bring you through the wall with humility and obedience and submission. Then I'll bring you into the, fu- the future Glory. Glory to glory. And that's what happens in stage five. There's this, all of a sudden, there's a shifting of the mind. There's a transform by the renewing of my mind. There's something that takes place. And now I start to get this understanding, oh, everything that I used to do back here, I do from intimacy with God. It's like, that's natural. That's not a It's not a problem. I don't have to serve. I have the opportunity. I am gifted. I am able to. I get to serve. In fact, I want to. And then you get to this place, this stage six, it's where I just become love. Like, I can't not serve. I can't not give. I can't not show mercy. I can't not help. I can't not do these things. I can't not because it's who I am, and it doesn't even feel right going back this way. That's what you've been called to. And somewhere, you're stuck. But it's an invitation. God is is in this process of bringing you into greater things. But he's got to work us out of us. It's like we don't control, did anybody cause the weather to begin to decline and the rain to come today? Because I did not. In fact, beyond what you've heard, the government did not shoot some laser beam and cause it to rain. That would be my guess. And it's the same way, fall happens, winter happens, summer happens, spring happens, seasons of life happen, and God is sitting here orchestrating a season of the wall to take you into greater things. And we have every opportunity to reject it, to deny it, to withdraw it, but the problem is. All of the wall, everything that the wall produces, is held back, and everything that's on this current side of the wall starts to break loose. It's called all hell breaking loose, and it becomes feels like life's in shambles. And We can hide it, we can fake it, but God begins to bring you through into this wall so hard where you can't, you can't under, you can't do, you can't help but to let go of all the impostor. So sometimes the the wall appears through this, it begins to make itself known turning our world upside down, uh, perhaps through divorce or job loss, a death of a close friend or a family member, a cancer diagnosis, a disillusioning church experience, a betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, an inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to marry but yet left unfulfilled, a dryness or a joy of loss, I mean, a loss of joy, rather, in our relationship with God. These are invitations. These are experiences that, that show that we are right there at the wall. You can't go around it. You can't jump over it. You can't dig under it. You have to go through it. It has to, it has to be given the opportunity to rid you and remove you of everything that will not make it into the future. We question ourselves. We, we question God. We question the church we discover that the first time that for the first time that our faith seems to be that it's not working am i even saved does god even care does he even exist who is this person that i said is the lord is salvation and all of that stuff starts to emerge from the depths of of our soul and our pains and our hurts and when the season comes and the more you try to avoid it the more the loving god begins to draw your nose right up to it and it's almost like he's giving you a nose job anybody ever felt like that and you start take you start to take on stronger attitudes of self protection self preservation self effort hiding in other things, you start impostering yourself, self-denial, shame, guilt, judgment, accusation of others, or everybody hates me, the victim mentality, he doesn't like me, she doesn't like me, God's not for me. Until finally you're done with those things and those thoughts. And then in all out abandon, Lord, what do you want to do? You're no longer grumbling, you're no longer fighting, you're no longer resisting. For Peter, it was after denying Christ three times. What did Christ say to Peter before the cross in Luke 22, 31 through 35? And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan is asking the Lord, can I sift him like wheat? You know that that's the desire and the path that we all have to go through as well, to be sifting, but to be sifted. But that's that's not the fullness of the process. To be, to sift, they may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Oh, man, you're going through, all hell's breaking loose. Stuff does not feel like it's working out for anything. I'm praying for you. Praying for you. That your faith should not fail. Because in the midst of that is the trying and the testing and the proving of your faith. It's necessary that you get sifted, that I get sifted, that we get sifted like wheat so that the proof of our faith can begin to emerge and be be actually expressed. And when when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. You notice he didn't say, don't worry, I'm going to step in, I'm going to save you. You can start doing all these things and I'll, I'll rebuke him and I'll make sure, nope, I'll pray for you. And when you decide to return, strengthen your brothers, would you? But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Yeah, right, Peter. Yeah, right. Remember, he got saved. Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want, I'm all yours. Whatever you want, you can can do anything with me. I'll do it. I'll say yes to all things. And you know what? to death, you're going to be my God. Thank you for all that you did. But then the wall comes. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, when I sent you out with money, without a money bag, without a money bag, without a knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? He's reminding them, hey, listen, you're going to get sifted. There's going to be a time following me that you're going to get sifted. But even when you had nothing, did you lack anything? No. You're right. Why would I be afraid of following you through the sifting? Because even when I had nothing, I was not left without anything. Do you see the confidence that comes with the invitation? We need to remember that. Because going through the wall and going from glory to glory, there's a confidence that God actually does have better on the other side of getting rid of our bitterness, our judgment, our anxiety, our worries, our fear, our loss, our, our, our uh, Sense of loss, our our egos, our pride, our arrogance. Yeah, on the other side of the wall, there's greater things. That all these things are like bondage and scales over our eyes that we can't see. But we're proud of them, boy, because we get seen or we get noticed or somebody likes me or somebody speaks. They really affirm this right here. But there's greater things on the other side that God's will, willing and ready to affirm. In Luke 22. 61, it says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and hit the wall. And all before that, in Luke 9, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Before all of this took place, Jesus was asking Peter and the disciples, Who do you say I am? And there was a time where you said, Who do you say Christ is? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. There was a time where it was easy, or your other ways of doing things was difficult, and you said, You're the Christ. You're my salvation. I receive you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. Oh, whatever you want, I'm all in, in an emotional moment. In a time of desperation and need. And then you said, Peter, and Jesus said, "Hey, I'm gonna. Is it okay if you get sifted like wheat? Because that's what Satan's asking for. And and will you continually remain, remain faithful so that your faith can increase? And, and and when you're done going through your bad time and getting sifted and getting all that that, that selfishness out of you, would you come back and strengthen the brothers? You'd be lost as a goose looking at you. But uh uh-uh, what what are you talking about? That that's the that's that's the plan. I'm not in on that. And there comes a time for all of us when." That, that God graces us after the revelation of who he is, salvation, to draw us into this place of internal conflict, which turns into external conflict, or external conflict, which turns into inter, internal conflict, that cleanses us of us so that he can help, help us become all he's created us to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of that. And then Saul, Saul's was whenever he was on the road to Damascus, he thought he was doing things for God until he met Jesus. And, and a Saul, yet again, another wall, as he was being beaten for progressing the church, he could have easily stopped, we may not be here. Or it was Jacob when he was wrestling with the angel of God in the desert. That's how you know when you've gone through one of your walls of life, you're walking around, maybe with a limp, maybe, maybe emotionally different, strengthened, but not quite as arrogant as you once were. You have an emotional change where you're not so sensitive like you used to be because you've seen the work of God in you and you've experienced God on another level and he has, as he did in Jacob in the desert, blessed you mightily, gave you identity. Jonah was is the distress in the belly of the whale. For Jesus, it was in the wilderness when he was being tempted by the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, by Satan being led out there by the Holy Spirit. And it was Jesus, whenever he was going to the cross for you and I in the garden, before the garden, before that in the garden. Not my will, but your will. It's a good thing he didn't choose his will because he had a different will at that time, didn't he? Let's not negate and forget the humanity of Christ. And that's how we we're able to accept the wall. Not my will. Here's what I want to do. I want to choke, slam somebody, and throw them in the. But, but not my will, your will. Don't, I don't act like you're not you're not as messed up as I am. But he laid his life down, and that's the, that's the following of Christ, what of we lay our lives down. Meaning, I've got to die to all that junk that's inside of me so God can cleanse me of it, so I can go through the wall, so I can be who, he's, who he desires for me to be, so I can actually learn what laying my life down looks like. Otherwise, I stay selfish on this side of the wall. I can pose it, I can fake it, but I'll never make it. Worship, Bible reading, church attendance and small groups. these are the bullets in the revolver, but the firing pin is obedience that makes everything come to action. It makes everything work. It makes it all come to life. It's the difference between exposure and experience. Like I've been exposed to the gospel. Oh no, 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 no no, no. that's not what God wants. God wants to bring you through the wall so that you experience the gospel. and everything within. And there's such a radical transformation in that season of life and what he has for you because he knows how, how much that wall needs to, needs to exist in your life and what he wants to do on the other side of that wall. He knows the fruit of the next season and the glory he's trying to take you in. So he knows and he decides the intensity of the wall that you must go through in that time. And let the evidence be made known by every person in your Bible that chose to believe in Jesus. Notice he didn't say to anybody, you know what, I just want you to be happy. No, it all came with some pain and some trial and some suffering and and some uh, walls going through. Except for Judas, the poser. See, Jesus' plan offended Judas. Might I dare say Judas's Sorry, Jesus is a plan. His plan offends the Judas in us. So the standard has been set. We can't lower this standard of God's God's desire because it's not a forcing. It's a desiring for the blessing. And we can't raise the standard because God sets the standard. We can do some chin-ups on it and try to get up to it a little bit. But we have to accept it. We have to accept it. So what does the journey through the wall produce? What does it produce that makes me want to be excited about this painful thing of the wall? Well, St. John, a saint of old, St. John of the Cross was actually his name, not in the Bible, it's not not a a biblical uh, statement or paragraph, but he called this the dark night of the soul. In his experiences and intimacy and life and walk with Christ, the wall he called the dark night of the soul. Many, many uh, of the... Martyrs of old called this the dark night of the soul. It's also known as the wall. He says this in one of his books. God is purging the soul, annihilating it, emptying it, or consuming in it. in it, Even as fire consumes the molding and the rusting of metal, the rust of metal. All the affections and imperfect, imperfect, imperfect habits which it had, has contracted its whole life. These are deeply rooted in the substance of the soul. At the same time, it is God who is passively working here in the soul. Like he's trying to get some stuff out. And he's doing it to bless us. He's doing it not only for the benefit of us, but as we turn to stage five and six, he's doing it for the blessing of others around us and the extension of his kingdom. He does it for the sake of you becoming who you were actually birthed and created and planned to be since before you were known by your mother and father, you were destined into this person he's trying to purify you to become. And James 1, 2, 4 says this, My brethren, my brother, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What? I think he miswrote, miswrote that. Should be counted all joy when you don't have to face trials. No, that's not God's plan. Counted all joy. Oh, your finances are busted and broke. They're not working. Your your job is not working out. Your relationships, some reason, aren't working out. Your house is in it has issues. Your car, your 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 marriage, your. What are you gonna do? Because that's the stuff that we have to find joy because God's getting ready to do something in the midst of it. And he's trying to break us out of us so that he can become more in us so that we can actually be who we've been created to be through the blessing of the wall. counted all joy. Hallelujah. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how to handle it. All my ways have come flat and come short and it's half as good as you can do it. So, Lord, I'm dying to myself right now and whatever it is that you need to do, lift me up. Give me the wisdom. Give me the understanding. Can can I tell you right now, the moment you begin to own the stuff that's going on in your life, even if you want to blame somebody else, Lord, it is my fault. I do have part in that. I do have issues. I did cause some of that. Yes, I have been doing this. Yes, I have been doing that. Yes, yes, yes. The wisdom of God and the revelation the favor and the grace of God begins to sit upon you, begins to transform and heal your heart. Then the wisdom of God begins to penetrate your mind and begins to give you ideas, solution, creativity on how to navigate the situations forward, which will not only be a blessing for you, but it will be a blessing for all people involved. Why wouldn't you want that? Pride is never going to let us get there, though. Ego is never going to let it happen. Arrogance will never let you yield. Not going to do it. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Oh, no. mm -mm, No, I know what they, mm, I grew up. I know they said never pay for patience. Never pray for patience because all these stuff, all these problems start to happen. So I just quit praying. That is a trick of Satan on your life to sift you. Oh, if I can just get them. But here's why. Let it, the faith produce patience, but let patience have its perfect work. See, there's something that patience does that causes a perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. Did I send you? Did you lack anything when I sent you out without handbag, money bag, without sandals, without food? Did I send you? Did you lack anything? The problems at hand, the issues, the struggles, the 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 the, 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 the breakings, the The whatever it is that's in your life that's causing distress, are you ready to lay down your stuff so that He can work it out of you, so that you will have patience, which has a perfect work, and you'll realize, I don't like anything. This is the journey of a disciple. Some walls are tall, some walls are are tall and thick, some are short and, and thin. God gets to decide the size of the wall that you need for the season ahead. And walls may look like, or trials may look like, traffic jams, annoying bosses, delayed airplane departures, car breakdowns, fevers, and the barking of dogs, and some neighbor's crowing rooster. It's that stuff that just burns you up inside. It just ticks me off, and I don't know why I'm ticked off. I'm just mad. Welcome to the wall. Like I look back, I, I hit a wall when I was moving to Athens from Austin. There was not looking back. There was nothing wrong in Austin. There was nothing. It was the stuff that God was bringing me into. I was uncomfortable. I was. I was. I didn't like it. I was complacent. I didn't. I didn't enjoy it anymore. That there was just tension all around me, but it was the wall that God was bringing me up to, and I had to decide: Am I going to stay there in this and in that in my own comfort zones, or was I going to get a little uncomfortable for the Lord and take some risk? Hit a wall whenever before we started planting this church. Issues and, and pains and hurts and, and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness and judgment and offense and all this stuff. God had to take me to the wall of that stuff so he could dig deep into my soul. It's like a spoon scraping the scum off of somebody's inner lining like a watermelon. You know, what? I want that last bit of watermelon. Just scrape that off. You got that little watermelon ball? It's a scum ball that God just wants to. And you were, you were so connected to this stuff that God's trying to remove that we don't realize that once it's gone, we are free to become all he's created us to be. And we're like, whoa, if I'd have known that, I'd have done it a long time ago. I had to go through that so we could get to this. I hit a wall in July. Like, my truck I had issues, had to go to the shop, I had a, a side-by-side, the motor blew up, had to get another one, had a car that went to the shop, I had issue after issue, and I was on sabbatical, It's like everything was just waiting, God was like, oh, I got a wall for you, you're going to go on sabbatical, you think it's going to be about rest, it's going to be 150 degrees outside, so you can't do anything but sit down. That was for me, by the way, I'm sorry y'all had to suffer through that. God did that just for me. Each season of growth is demanded by the wall you embrace. You're going to get it. This season of growth that I got, it was a supernatural demanding of God because I was willing to embrace the wall that I went through to get there. that that season the next season of anointing of favor of blessing of whatever it is that God is using to move your life forward and progress you and to and to provide for others around you was caused by a willingness to go through the wall that was before you so what does the wall produce when david was fleeing from a jealous and insecure king for 13 years, he was in a wall. When Job lost 10 kids, his health, and possessions in a day, he was up against a wall. When Abraham had to wait 25 years to have his child that the Lord told him he would have, he had, he, he hit a wall. And 11 years into that, he took matters into his own hands and had another child out of the will of God, you and I get to deal with that still today. So a wall produces a greater level of brokenness. Before we go through the wall, we prefer to exercise the right to determine good and evil rather than leave this knowledge to God. He knows. He'll, he knows. He'll bring, it, he'll bring it out. And afterward, we know better. The root of, of this sin is the arrogance of where one neighbor wants to be his own neighbor's judge. All of a sudden, we've got some tenure in maybe the church, and now we judge people who come in. Or we judge people in the community. Oh, yeah, you know, they have. And there's an opinion and an attitude made about almost everyone that's different than me. And the wall cleanses us of this attitude and frees us to become all God created us. Matthew 5 and 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed is this Macario. Oh, he's here, happy. Not when you're poor financially. I'm talking poor in spirit, meaning unless some, this word literally means, unless somebody shows up, I'm going to die. Until you get to this place where you're, you're utterly poor in spirit, everything that you've tried is not working, even when you try it over and over and you try a different route, none of it works because it's God's providence because he's causing you to go into a new realm, a new place, a new season of understanding of things working in favor. And when you get to that point and you're so done with yourself and your own ways of doing things, now you've got to enough destitution that now he can come in in the depths of who you are. He can bless you and you can understand now you're ready for the kingdom. Oh, you're blessed whenever you're ready to be completely empty. Hallelujah. That's when you're able to, and I don't know what's going on, but I'm happy. I feel a sense of peace. Two ways to, to judge your level of brokenness. Consider how judgmental you are and consider how offendable you are. Like if you're judging other people and you got you've always got an opinion about other people or other things or yada yada yada, your wall is coming. Or you may be at it and you're avoiding it because you want to project the attention on other people and their problems, and God's sitting here using that to point out your problems. Amen, Pastor. Good word. Or you're offended by everything, so is Judas. He couldn't stand the plans of Jesus. Somebody says something and you just choose a fence. Oh, how's that wall? How's your nose up against that wall? What's that? What's that? What's that feel like? Is your wall concrete, titanium? Because God just keeps on putting you up to it or pulling you up to it. You can kick and scream and flail and throw all your fits because because that's what we do. Because when we're not right, we become overly judgmental and offended and we flail and flail and flail and everybody else is the problem until we cause other people to submit to our junk. And all the while, God's saying... Number two, greater appreciation for mystery. You've got to keep, maintain an appreciation for mystery. I don't have it figured out. I realize with all that God's shown me, He knows. He'll work it out. I actually keep a mystery box. There's things that I hear and there's things I don't quite understand. I don't don't personally have a revelation. Somebody else has received a revelation. There's something that challenges me, but I'm not going to discount it or discredit it. I'm not going to throw it away from my dogmatic religion and understanding of Scripture. I'm going to hold it in this mystery box and I'm going to live with time. I'm going to wait for God to begin to break that open and bring understanding into me and let it be my revelation. And now his mysteries become made known. I need to keep an appreciation for the mysteries of God. God is not an object that I can determine, master, possess, or command. And boy, wouldn't we like to. Oh, God, you know what? I've been scripture reading. I've been worshiping. I've been showing up to church. And I've been really routine. I've been serving. In fact, I served twice this week. I've been fasting. I fast often. I, I, I pray longer. And, and God, you're supposed to fix my problems and change all these issues because I'm doing these things. No, 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 no. He goes places we don't understand. He calls us into the depths of things that we we won't know until we experience them. He exposes us to things to grow us, to change us, to transform us, and to renew us. All he's asking for is obedience, and there is beautiful, beautiful, amazing, powerful, favor-filled things on the other side that we never get to until we start to yield to this thing called obedience. Number, Number three, A deep ability to wait for God. He draws in. Going through the wall causes us to have a deeper ability to wait for God. Oh, he's shown me that. I'm Abraham. He's shown me that dream. He's shown me that vision. He's given me this. I don't just go and run to it like an immature believer. I don't just try to make it happen in my own ego. I don't just cause it to happen. No, he's going to do it. I'm just going to be obedient when he says, I'm opening this door. I want you to go do this. I'm asking you to go do that now. Okay, I'm going to do that. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Psalms 130, 5 and 6, David understood this journey, and the critical issue of the journey with God is not, am I happy? It's, am I free, and am I growing in my freedom? Verse verse 5, he says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. Man, this is what the Lord says. On this side of the wall, we're like, no, here's what I'm going to do. I don't care what the word says. Yeah, that sounds good for some people. For me, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I think. Here's what what I think that word should say. Anybody ever manipulated the word for their own advantage? No? Yeah, thank you. Verse 6. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for morning. Well, I can't wait for morning. I can't wait for the next morning. Oh, that next morning. No, my soul. He's 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 taught his soul to just wait for the Lord. Because all that anxiety, all that tension, all that stuff that's boiling up over the time on this side of the wall, no through the wall. I'm I'm not gonna try to figure it out on my own. I'm not gonna try to make things happen. I'm not gonna cause I want to wait on the Lord. Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen. Says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He'll He shall strengthen your heart. Wait. Like I couldn't even get through one verse without having to repeat, wait, Lord. We struggle with waiting. Guy two weeks ago was telling me, or his wife was saying, yeah, he he sits at the microwave yelling it, saying, come on, hurry up. And another guy said, yeah, I sit at the Keurig. I said, you got to hurry up. You've got one job to do. We struggle with waiting. Can I just say that Jesus didn't come for behavioral modification. He came for heart transformation. He came to rip the imposter out of you. The self-protection, the ego, the arrogance, the pride, the self-reliance. He came to just draw that stuff, like, Pulling you through a filter. Anybody ever have, when you're cooking catfish and you're dipping that flour in, you got that sifting can, you put that flour in there and you sift out the, just me? That's what he's doing. How do I make it through the wall? Identify my issues. When I start to own the stuff, I become suspect of me. Like, I become suspect of what's running through here. I got to learn to take every thought captive. I can't even just let that stuff run because I might be wrong, and I probably am in, in a season of the wall. Because God's trying to do some things. I've got to identify my issues. In fact, I got to be like a, with a spotlight. Where's the unforgiveness? Where's the arrogance? Where's the pride? Where's the lack of submission? Where's the, the lack of yielding? Where's the disobedience? Where is it? Where are you? Real talk accept the wall okay Lord yes focus on intimacy and yielding intimacy and yielding with the Lord earlier I talked about sifting Satan asked Jesus if he could sift Peter like wheat you see it's it's all nice when you think that's the only part of it here over here sifting was over here grabbing that wheat and putting it through a filter sometimes it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a it's a threshing fork, and you're just throwing the wheat in the air, throwing the wheat in the air, throwing the weeding the wheat in the air, and the chaff blows away in the wind, and the, the wheat seeds fall down, and they have this shell, it's weighting them down. They fall down, they're sifting it. You ever felt like your just life just being sifted? But it ain't over. You still gotta get that hardness off of what's gonna produce. So you come from over here from the sifting and the threshing and the beating. You get over here, under the dung of the oxen, and there's weight, it's a sled, by the way, sometimes it was a big iron, a big stone uh, circle that would be rolling over the wheat to crush it, to break the shell off of the wheat seed, and it takes a lot of crushing, we can try to stay up here in front and slide up in front of the sled, no, I'm just, I don't want, no, 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 no. But it's in the crushing that becomes the preparing that whenever you're sown into wherever God is calling you to do and be and, and go, the produce starts to grow. The fruitfulness starts to take place and you didn't cause it, you just yielded to it and God began to cause the growth and all the things that you want and you try to make happen on your own just start to be a byproduct. Because until that wheat seed, the the, the, the the husk is, until it's broken off of it, it's unfruitful. It's just an imposter walking around. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, I've just got the glory of the Lord. No, you don't. You lying. Come up in the church house with all them lies. We've trained ourselves to be that way. But when we start to let go of the judgment and the offense and, the, and, and and all the criticism and all the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the resentment, we start to accept our wall. You know the scripture says that we could run boldly to the throne of grace, the mercy seat, to the throne of grace to receive mercy in our time of need. We can run boldly. Shouldn't we be able to run boldly to the church to receive mercy and grace in our time of need? The answer is yes. Let me just do this. Anybody, you've heard about the wall now? Anybody feel like you're at the wall? Hold your hand up high. It's fine. It's not about you anyway. It's part of letting the imposter go. And look around. Look around at all the hands. And look at the ones that are trying to force their hands to be down. (laughs) It's obvious, bro. You're not alone. We're not alone. We're messed up and the moment we begin to understand that we're messed up, we can actually have something done in our life. So shouldn't we be, I'm gonna say it one more time, shouldn't we be able to run to the church and run to one another and run to confession and run to forgiveness and to receive mercy and grace in our time of need? Yes? Yes, come on, let's worship with me, would you Would you please? Lord, we thank you, we thank you for everything you're doing, we thank you for an extra mercy, measure of mercy and grace and Lord, we pray that you bring us ever so lovingly through this wall so that we can become all that you've designed and created for us to be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can I get a good amen?